0: I am Andy franz and I'm the creative producer of Blood Life Uncut. Blood Life Uncut is a wonderful collection of artworks um, that hopefully speak to London in 2017.
1: I'm Sabrina Maffuz and I am a poet, playwright, performer, writer. I've written some poems in a small collection called Bloodlines in response to the artworks of the Blood exhibition at Science Gallery London.
2: My name is Daniel Glazer and I'm often known as Dr. Daniel Glazer and I'm the director of Science Gallery London, part of King's College. Science Gallery London is a new space that's part of the university but also part of the city. It's a space where art and science collide, so it's a space where we look at questions from multiple perspectives.
0: Blood in 2017 is about the times that we live in. It is about trying to create a community in Londoners, between human beings, to demonstrate that we are all the same. Hello, and welcome to the final episode of Blood, Life Uncut, a four-part series brought to you by Science Gallery London, part of King's College London. The exhibition, with the same name, is open every day at Peckham's Copeland Gallery until the 1st of November. I'm Femi.
3: And I'm Jessie. And today we're taking you on a tour through the blood season with Bloodlines, a collection of poems written by Sabrina Mafuz in response to the artworks in the Blood exhibition.
0: As well as listening to Sabrina reading her collection, Over the next half hour, you'll hear the voices of the scientists, artists and people who have inspired and created Blood Life Uncut.
1: Personal Protection Equipment. Response to the artwork by Isabella Zolchinska. Icor. They named her after the fluid flowing through veins of gods. Greek Mythology. She. A statue that moved and was not made of marble so very clearly was not a statue of any sort but treated like one because of the display she made. The way she, my God, it was unthinkable. Good job the glass cage is encompassing. Engrossing to think how she survived so long, hid this from everyone her family must have known. Complicit so many must have been. Did they see beyond it? How could they? So red, so complex. Veins on top of skin, the wrong way round, inside out, strange, ridged, rippled, pulsating, streaming, pouring, throbbing. You can see exactly what type of woman she is. The exhibition is about blood, and that is one of the pieces which is... Visually, you're just seeing blood on the outside of a garment and it's got veins on it. Seems like quite a striking and strange piece of work that will kind of lead the way into what the rest of the exhibition is looking at. It's always nice when you're doing poetry to have, for me anyway, to have some kind of boundaries to work within because it's such a... Um, liberating form for me because I also write theatre and, and other forms of writing and poetry always feels like that place where you can really express what it is you want to say.
0: A dimension of the artwork personal protection equipment which Sabrina's poem doesn't explore is its relationship to the medical garment worn by healthcare professionals in West Africa during the outbreak of Ebola between 2014 and 2016.
4: PPE is personal protective equipment. That can be anything like uh, gloves, aprons, um, face masks.
3: Natalie Mounter is a nurse who worked in Sierra Leone during the Ebola epidemic.
4: We had certain types of PPE that were used for Ebola and that was pretty much everything you can possibly wear if you're, if you're in that medical setting. It can be really hot um, to wear that suit. You've got no kind of... Um, air holes. You've got nothing that comes out. You know, you've got you've got no kind of skin exposed. So you're kind of kind of trapped in a suit in a way. One of the things that you really notice is how your communication is affected. Um, you know, bearing in mind that a lot of us were foreign workers going into a country where we didn't speak the language. You know, you don't you can't touch them unless it's absolutely essential because of the risk of contaminating your suit. We're coming in in basically dressed like spacemen, um, speaking a foreign language. You know, with um, a white face, um, something they're not used to at all.
0: One thing we've collected while exploring the world of blood are the songs used to spread messages about how to combat the spread of Ebola.
3: And now we're going to play Ebola is Real by the TYB Boys, a song which was commissioned by Médecins Sans Frontières, also known as Doctors Without Borders.
1: The Swarm, response to the artwork by Elaine Whittaker. I'd fucking kill mosquitoes all day long, mate. The only living thing I don't give one crap about. The way they buzz around, that abominating sound, it's beyond frustrating, so insistent, like they need you to know what they're about to do, you know? Which is mad when you think about it, because what they're about to do is suck the blood right out of your body into theirs. And if you squash them, you'll see it, a stain of your own blood right up on the wall like a piece of fucking art at the Tate or wherever, you get me? They'll take over the world one day. The original drones they are let you know they're coming, but by then it's too late. By then your blood is already theirs, but they won't wait to see the heat of orange life drain out of you like the so-called pilots stuck in front of a military-grade screen do. Instead, they'll invite their mates to come have a feast too, and then there you have it. There's a fucking swarm of flying creatures making the air heavy with your blood, and the thought of that, of them taking my blood without my permission, without my consent, without my nod of approval at what they're using it for. That's what freaks me out. That's why I'm ready to kill every motherfucking last one of them. Menstruation is
5: heavily um, um, associated with women. And that is why it is considered so disgusting. I think it's just a pretty straightforward misogyny.
0: This is the voice of Casey Jenkins, the artist who made Bad Blood, a mixed media artwork using menstrual blood and wool.
1: Bad Blood. Response to the artwork by Casey Jenkins. I am charged 5% to catch the blood with cotton stubs, blood that makes it possible for me to be paid 18% less than a being who does not bleed each month. But a woman of worth, a woman worthy of being a woman you want is a woman who pays 50%, a woman who says I am independent and do not need you to pay for me just because I bleed does not mean I am weak. I cannot be hung out to dry after the slaughter, right?
5: Menstrual blood is such a powerful medium for art making because it has, um, it speaks particularly powerfully to people who have menstruated or who feel they would have liked to menstruate in their lives. So generally, women, um, and it also it, it means so many different things throughout your life. So for me, it that joy and relief of, you know, I oh, thank God I'm not pregnant, you know, and then it's been that just sort of really annoying thing. And then since I did casting off my womb, I had actually tried to get pregnant and I um, have had two miscarriages since. And now I'm 38 and I don't know that it's going to be possible for me. So it has just a completely different um, connotation for me, the the menstrual blood. And I think that, yeah, it's sort of meant over my lifetime so far, sort of joy. It's been banal and then it's been sort of really a sort of a sign of deep sorrow.
6: My name is Cecilia, a Norwegian-based artist. Uh, and the project that I'm uh, presenting uh, is a project I developed last year in the Netherlands, and it's called Heap, uh, where I worked uh, together with a researcher, Rodrigo Leite de Oliveira. The project is based on uh, the physical element of iron, which is uh, the carrier of oxygen in in the blood. Uh, And for the project, we uh, worked together with the midwives uh, in order to contact pregnant women, uh, asking them if they wanted to donate their placenta after giving birth. So from the blood uh, of the placenta, we wanted to create a guidance tool, uh, which is then uh, made through a reduction fire. So the placentas was collected, prepared, dried and used as a biological ore and then transformed into metallic iron uh, by a smith through a reduction fire uh, and the iron was then uh, formed into a compass needle. You see when you enter the exhibition it's partly it's a record on the wall that uh, is from the birth of the placentas and the weight of the placentas and then you have a glass bowl, a glass bowl that slowly rotates. And in the bowl you f- see a floating compass where the needle uh, from the placentas is uh, magnetised to point to the north.
1: I think um, the one that's, that is personal, which is um, heme, And that was really difficult because I, in my head, I really wanted to write quite a long, expansive poem on that because I found that artwork so affecting. And this idea of um, that the artist had collected um, iron from all these placentas and um, having had a kid like two years ago, I just... And I was, like, way too out of it to know uh, what was happening with any sort of placenta. I definitely wasn't one of those people who was like, yeah, let's put it in a milkshake and hope for the best. I mean, it was just gone, and that was that. But um, so I was quite intrigued that, you know, there's people who are organised enough to say, I'm donating this part of my placenta to an artist He's going to do something with it, and I'm now going to see that 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 artwork in an exhibition, and someone's going to write a poem about it. And I had all these thoughts that were that were wanting to get out. But in the end, it just... It just came out so small because then it just became about my son and that actually when you distill all of that stuff down that's all it is really about is the fact that you're um giving life to somebody else and that someday in a different way because he's a boy but still he will be giving life to somebody else as well maybe maybe not but just i not know it's pretty It's pretty standard stuff. People give life to other people. But it kind of uh, just felt like so simple and so profound at the same time that there was no need to expand upon it actually in the end. Um, So I really enjoyed that. That's probably the one that had the most work but ended up with the least amount of lines. So I found that quite interesting. Heme. Response to the artwork by Cecilia Johnson. I gave you my iron, son. It is the only thing I had that didn't rust. I trust you will use it wisely and when the day comes you will give it to your own gods.
2: So blood, which is the last pre-opening exhibition for Science Gallery before the main building opens in 2018, is a really good topic for Science Gallery because you can't understand blood solely from a medical or biological perspective or solely from a cultural perspective. If you just look at it from one of those two you'll miss a lot. So Science Gallery brings together both sets of ways of looking at this fluid to give us a kind of richer and more complete picture of, of what blood's really all about.
1: Transfusion, response to the artwork by Katherine Dawson. I see silver pipes flow down, down from the ringed farm, like a deep dive in paddling pool to the practical rectangle of factory where soundless shocks of lightning bring sustainable salmon to our supermarkets. Cut gills dripping blood into water that soon will be burnt blue again. This transfusion, fish, pipes, factory, esophagus, tubed and timed with tremors of life meeting death, leaves me vegan.
2: As a neuroscientist, blood's particularly interesting. I mean, first of all, the pattern of fainting in response to blood is super interesting. Uh, So it's not quite like a phobia, because as well as your heart rate going up, it then goes down again, uh, leading to a faint, for reasons that we're not quite clear on, but maybe to do with playing dead when people around you are being injured. All of the brain imaging techniques that we use to make Images, pictures of the functioning of the brain using scanners rely on blood flow to tell us what's going on. So the brain is very demanding in terms of the energy it requires, and blood supply is regulated very tightly. So as a neuroscientist, in a sense, blood is my window onto the operation of the brain.
1: One Drop of Blood, response to the artwork by Dan Elborn. I decided to tell him at the cinema. It was unplanned. Something about the way his hand shuffled through the salted popcorn box. The way the perfectly popped kernels represented the possibility of transformation. Heroism of cells smaller than you can feel. The trailers had started. I whispered it. His hand didn't go to my cheekbone, nor to the side of my head, then down to the nape. It went to his nose where a small trickle of blood was slipping past his helpless fingers. I reached for the napkin I'd taken from the counter, held it out to him as one single drop leapt and landed on the smooth curve of a piece of popcorn soaking it completely. He took the napkin, twisted it up his nostril, smiled and ate the reddened snack, perhaps to say nothing scares me, perhaps because he was really hungry. Either way, we held hands until the end.
2: Over the course of the season, I've learned a lot about sickle cell as a disease. Firstly, it's a disease that's particularly prevalent and relevant in Southwark and Lambeth, which are the boroughs in South London which we're most interested in, and that's because of the demographic association, particularly with people of African origin. And if you think about blood as something which you need both art and science to understand, the cultural relevance of what might be thought of as a black disease has really come home to me in the work that we've produced as part of the blood season at Science Gallery.
3: Here's a short audio clip from Tough Blood, a new commission for the Blood exhibition by artist Stephen Rudder.
4: Mentally, it's traumatising. It traumatises you and it makes you question a lot of things and it leaves you in a a bit of despair
0: um, and solitude. My eyes were really yellow from the sickle cell, really, really yellow. So you stand that straight away, you're black, dark black. It's school in the East End, all these white boys and untold black boys from Hackney and everything, and you've got yellow eyes, so you stand out the most. Well, what's going to happen now? A lot of the
4: people I know have that did have it have passed away, so I'm left with, you know, my beloved family and friends who don't have it.
0: There's another artwork about sickle cell in the exhibition. It's by Donald Rodney, an artist who died in 1998 from sickle cell anemia. Lots of Rodney's work explores the genetic disease that he suffered from and its relationship to racial identity and wider social issues concerning race.
1: In the House of My Father, response to the artwork by Donald Rodney. England. I felt I was not foreign enough to unplait my hair, occasional blonde strands making me fit in too easily. I wanted to stand up after our roast dinners and announce we share the same name, we hold the same land close. After you left, my visits to you were incessant, air miles unable to understand this wasn't business, or was it? Egypt. Your curfew was swift and did not allow for speeches after Kanafa, never would a daughter of yours know Cairo like you did. A city bright with blood and donkey shit and watermelon rind, the gold of Saudi gleaming it to stand still at sunset. Hospital. The results were positive in more ways than one. Sickle cell anemia meant I was medically Middle Eastern, or at least Eastern Mediterranean. Our diseased familiarity surprising you to blink, no matter how much you might wish me different enough for the both of us. For me it's like really I don't really write autobiographical poems, um, hardly ever. And as a writer I've always felt like the the way to unraveling some sort of truth or investigating some sort of truth is always through a fictional voice. Um and so creating these characters to me seems like I'm able to go further with a subject than I would be if I was just writing it from the voice of the writer. With poetry, um it's really much more from my own experience of people that I've met and the worlds in which I've worked, which are quite vast in, in breadth. Um, they span from strip clubs to the Ministry of Defence and all around the world and just all different types of places. So I really have this um, cast, I guess, of characters in my head that I don't know are there until the right poem comes along for them. The Body is a Big Place Response to the Artwork by Peter Clancy and Helen Pinell We found her on MySpace All cleavage and ass and palm tree ripped waste We hated her, not for what she had, but how she showed it Wasn't yet the days of Kim K, etc These were the days where showing skin put you in the corner of Jordan Not classy, not the way to keep the man you want to get Although, confusingly, it was unarguably the best way to get him in the first place Amina messaged her from a fake account to meet at the Lido for a bikini test shoot for a music video for a big-name rapper whose name couldn't be revealed at this early stage, but bring baby oil, your best two-piece and hair straight as possible. See you by the diving board, 5pm, confirmed. Some squealed. I wasn't that excited. Reason being, I was the top swimmer. My job would be to jump in after the others had pushed her, rescue her in case she couldn't swim, show solidarity if she could, maybe grab her Dulcie's heels from the bottom of the pool. Then she'd be indebted to me and we'd become mates. Eventually she'd become part of our crew, but always with a wariness that kept her to the side, bringing over more boys than she could deal with alone. It seemed an unnecessarily complicated way to get generally accessible male attention. Plus, I was working until 4pm at the shop and it meant paying for an extra zone on my travel card for the day, which was the equivalent of 10 cigarettes, which provided me with a lot of peace. Sammy came to see me at lunch, check I was on it. I rolled my eyes at the plan and she leaned in close, letting me know that being part of this was an unconditional part of my future. She was going to be the confronter. She'd been waiting all month for the feel of a heartbeat pushing into hers. Folds of knuckles against both hard and soft. The tension as her boobs would touch MySpace's boobs and her forehead would push MySpace's forehead. And the body is such a big place. There are so many opportunities
3: to feel something. Did I see? We asked Helen Pynor about how she and Peter came to be interested in working with blood. So we were um, exploring organ transplants and Peter Clancy and I, my collaborator, and we
1: decided that we wanted to set up a system where we could have fresh pig hearts beating in a gallery. Uh, We didn't know if it could be done but we did some research and yeah, we found out that you could actually do this and that we needed to feed those hearts with blood. So um, we had this whole system set up where blood was flowing through this perfusion device and the hearts were able to be supported and to beat and it really highlighted just the wonder of the hearts but also the wonder of blood like the blood is this um,
3: almost magical substance that can support a heart to beat outside a body after the animals dead it was like it sort of brought those hearts back to life
0: during the season we've been collecting and listening to blood stories Here's one of our favourites from Daniel Glazer.
2: I'm a combat medic in the Army Reserves, and I was the first medic on the scene of the Soho Bomb, which was uh, a nail bomber uh, who was bombing various targets, and the Admiral Duncan Pub was bombed. I was the first medic on the scene, which as an Army medic was a good thing to be, because I was able to... Uh, do everything that I was trained to do, with three people dead and, and lots of horrible injuries which I was dealing with. But actually my memory of blood from that is coming home uh, and, uh, and for the first time looking down at the white shirt and the jeans that I was wearing and just noticing the very uh, fine spatters of blood and a few kind of bigger stains, but just realizing that I'd come home with the blood of probably half a dozen people on my clothes. And that sense then of of having to wash that off uh, was very strong. So that's my strongest blood memory, looking down onto my white shirt and seeing the spatters.
1: Bloody Equality. Response to the artwork by Jordan Eagles. I met with a spot of blood yesterday. Swell, gush, spurt. It wasn't like that. It was just a spot. A spot that I spotted. A spot that got bigger the longer I looked at it. So I looked away and it was gone. Almost. Until I looked again and it was still there. As spotty as ever and red as blood is unless it's blue. Can you really have blue blood? There was no blue in this spot. None I could see. But I'm not sure I could see very well. I wasn't very well. Which was why there was a spot... Or at least, I thought there was. You Butte. Response to the artwork by Hotham Street Ladies. Womb envy is, of course, what it is. Karen Horney knew this in 1905. Freud is a fraud on genital organs. We need to finally just delete his dick stuff from anything to do with us because, no, thank you, we do not envy your penis. And if we did, we can just buy strap-ons now. They've really come a long way recently. That is a beautiful thing about poetry is that in a really short amount of time you can take a really huge epic subject or person like Freud and um, decide to cuss him basically and, and not really have to put much explanation behind it just like there is, it's just a few lines on a poem um, and that might make somebody rethink what they thought about that very small thing or they might just make them laugh like you guys which is also fun because we all need to laugh in these dark days
3: That was the final episode of the Blood Life Uncut series, brought to you by Science Gallery London. Don't miss the opportunity to visit the exhibition with the same name before it closes on the 1st November and pick up a free edition of Sabrina's new collection, Bloodlines.
0: Check out london.sciencegallery.com forward slash blood to see the programme for our action-packed Halloween weekend on the 27th and the 28th of October at Copeland Gallery and around Peckham Rye. There's a bloodletting performance at Station Barber's and you can join artist SJ Norman for cream tea with a twist in a deserted house on Copeland Road.
3: And what happens after blood? Well, if you're passing through London Bridge Station, exit at the Shard and check out our new home taking shape and set to open in 2018. We're the one in the bright yellow coat with the giant eyeballs. You'll know us when you see us.
0: Music in this episode included Iris Garelf's Dance of the Mosquitoes, the TYB boys' Ebola is Real, and Bloodlines 1 and 2, written by yours truly, performed by Freddie Crossley on piano and Slobodin Damjanovic on violin. You can find out more about Blood, Life Uncut, and our next exhibition, which will be about addiction, by following us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We're at Lun and we always like hearing what you have to say. It's, it's been, been a bloody blast! Bye! Bye.